0: Episodes like The Los Feliz Murder House, The Toxic Lady, The Black Dahlia, Janis Joplin's Hotel Room, The Haunted Roosevelt Hotel, and more. Just go to youtube.com slash Jason Horton. That's youtube.com slash J-A-S-O-N-H-O-R-T-O-N. And while you're there, please subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Thank you.
1: This episode is
0: brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot It's the Friends Without Benefits podcast. My name is Jason Horton. Welcome to the show. Today I'm talking to Lindsay Stidham. She has a podcast called Welcome to the Clambake. She's a writer, comedian, actor, and friend. And I think this episode's a little little more serious than some of the other ones, I guess, on a whole. um, As a whole, on a whole, I don't know. But it's a little more serious. Uh, But it's positive, and we talk... uh, about the Me Too movement. We talk to Lindsay about her career and we talk about stuff. We get into it. And uh, other than that, not much to report, to be told. honest. So I wish I, I, sometimes I'm like, oh, I, gotta, I, it's, I gotta think of something cool happening. But sometimes, you know what? Cool things aren't always happening. I mean, yeah, they are in the world, but you don't need to hear that from me. Uh, I'm doing a show uh, on April 9th. El Cid's Comedy Night Out, uh, that's at 7.30, and it is at El Cid Comedy, nope, it's ElCidSunset.com is where you'd find that, in Silver Lake, kind of close to me, which I like, Um doing, I uh, got a bunch of shows coming up, got a bunch in May booked, April, not so much, I think I got one more, but then I'm going to Las Vegas for my birthday, and I'm seeing Elton John, yeah, that's, that's, you know what I mean, like... If you're wondering, like, does this dude, does this dude, like, know how to rock? Yep, I do. I'm going to see Elton John. Deal with it, and then I'm going to visit my mother in West Palm Beach. So uh, I know how to live, I guess. But uh, for right now, let's uh, let's let's get somewhat serious. I don't know. I, I keep saying this is serious, and I don't recall how it's it's, it's serious, but it's not meant to. I think be a downer. It's just, you know, it's just a little different than some of the uh, other episodes, but I think it's important. So let's talk to Lindsay Stidham. It's, you know, it's weird because, you know, you see people, it's like when you see people out and you're like, oh, hey, remember I know you from that thing? That's what I feel like. Yeah. When I was on OKCube, which was, I was on for a while. Um, I'm on, on it
1: now because I'm writing a movie about it. Are you I got really? hired to, I can't like talk about it okay. too much, but I did get hired to write a movie about somebody who was on OK Cupid. So I have a is profile Is it a specific, right oh, so it's a specific, it's a specific person based story, on a true, based on a true story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Does it get crazy?
1: It does. I'm so excited about it. Oh, very it. cool. Yeah. I didn't know if
0: it was just like a movie, like a standard movie, and it's like OK Cupid is like the, you know.
1: No, I think it's about, I think the movie is truly about loneliness and uh, I'm like okay. really, and addiction and love. Right. It's about, it's about all the good things. I'm so excited so, about it. <laughs> I uh, wish I could talk more about it. Maybe next year.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, uh so are you, so we are you on it now for
1: I went on a date recently. I am on it like for dating but I'm like not actively using it. I just have it in case I need to look at it because I need to know the inside workings of Okay Cupid right. for the story. You know what do you, have you ever um, looked
0: at the a uh a their male's their blog. Their blog is really good. Really? Have you ever yeah. looked at a male's Okay Cupid to see just like what they're seeing, I haven't. I've done it. I've, have... I've seen a females, and I see, and it's it's yeah. one person's profile based on an algorithm. But I was I have, very curious. Um,
1: Tinder and Bumble. I've okay. looked at males' Tinder's and Bumbles. I've played for guy friends. I like have like done it for them, but um, I haven't. You done ghost, it on ghost wrote their Bumbles? Totally, yeah, and sent messages for them. And Has stuff. it helped? Um, one of my friends just met like what he seems to think is the love of his life, but he met her on Hinge. Um, But I used to play his apps for him, but before, like, Kinge was around, I think.
0: (laughs) So you're like, yeah, you're like a a, a ghostwriter of, like...
1: Totally. I love talking about love because it's so difficult. Right. It never gets solved. (laughs) Right? It's like,
0: that's why, like, I've always done sketches that involve relationships because relationships are always awkward. It's not a thing where it's like, I can't do a sketch about polio, they figured polio <laughs> out, how to how to how to stop polio, but they've never stopped how to like the awkwardness of a relationship, like good or bad. No. So it's just it's fodder just forever. Forever,
1: yeah, yeah. Where I mean, f- being you're married now though. Like, I am. Yeah. Being married, is it easier or is it harder? Easier. Oh, that's good. Easier. That's yeah. good to hear.
0: I talk about. It, I do. I mean, I'm doing <laughs> stand up now, and I, I I don't talk like a ton about it, but I do talk about. It, I was like not much. Uh, how not much has changed, but then I go into some things.
1: What's one of your married jokes?
0: You Anyone hear one? Mar- um, yeah, <laughs> where I uh, where I get in less arguments, and there's points where I, like I was like, oh, you should be arguing with me. <laughs> like I feel, and probably <laughs> I'm warranted. Uh, and I was like, you're not. You're being like really cool. And then I get paranoid that like th- something's got to give. So I'll look or, like I'll like I'll kind of like just be kind of hyper aware and then like something i'll turn on the tv and she watches the id channel
1: Uh uh-huh i don't don't know what that is
0: it's investigative discovery
1: oh cool i don't have real tv so it's like stream so
0: it's uh it's basically it's like it's murder shows you said you like murder stuff i do like murder stuff and it's like a lot of women murdering (laughs) men at least what she's watching yeah so uh, it's like i go into a thing about uh how all the different murders
1: researching researching yeah I feel like she's (laughs) saving it up you know what I mean so like in the meantime you're like why you're not having arguments with me because you're plotting my death exactly and it's like you know there's like shows
0: like (laughs) women with knives like there's so many shows that they're (laughs) like what do we do with all these we got a lot of women murdering men what do we do? Let's, ha- let's take all the ones that murder them with knives and just give them their own kind of section and that's how many m- murder shows there are on this channel. I love that. Yeah. So you that's a really funny uh, joke. Yeah. So like it's called it. the ID channel. It's like, I just murder shows so I don't know what. <laughs> there might be more but she doesn't watch it. Yeah. And then but I just watch like La La Land. <laughs> and it's like, if you like La La Land, just I guess watch more La La Land. Take a nap. <laughs> that's my
1: kind of thing. So where are you from? Um, I'm from like kind of all over. Like I went to high school and college in Florida and I went to elementary school in the Netherlands and I went, I was born in Louisville, Kentucky.
0: (laughs) Those are the three most random. It's
1: a very random combination. And now I kind of say I'm like from LA, I've lived here so long, lived here 14 years. So I've lived here longer than anywhere else. Uh, (laughs) I almost feel like I'm from here now. Do you ever go back to Kentucky? Um, I went back to Indiana like I, okay. my parents are from Indiana okay so that's like why they ran away from Indiana as soon as possible so not I sure. wasn't even born in Indiana I was born in Kentucky but um, I do go to Indiana now and then because my parents have a lot of family there and yeah. my family too obviously so yeah. usually I'm not gonna lie though it's usually for weddings or funerals right yeah which
0: are you more excited about <laughs> the weddings, okay, obviously. Okay. Well, like, I don't know. Like,
1: love that? and life continuing. But yeah. my mom has like um she if she's there for more than a couple of days, she starts to freak out. She calls they're from Indianapolis, Indiana, and she yeah. calls it Indiano Place. Like she like freaks out. She's like, not a fan. No, so I was last there for a cousin's wedding and obviously like my mom was there too and um she was like literally like, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. Like she like freaks out. <laughs> it's very bizarre. How do you end up in the Netherlands? My dad just was like, my dad is like a cool, weird salesman. He's like always sold something in life and he got a job opportunity and he was like, yep, we're going to live there. So we did. And
0: what ages did you live there?
1: Like all of elementary school. So first through fifth grade.
0: Did you have to learn the language? I did.
1: I used to speak perfect Dutch. I don't anymore. I know how to swear in Dutch.
0: You've, you've, yeah. held, you've held on to that.
1: Held on to that. I, I held on to like the good words, you know. Okay. Like my favorite Dutch curse word is klootzak, which means like the literal translation is "bag of shit." Okay. Yeah, clootzak. I mean that. Mu- I, I mean <laughs> when
0: you're, I mean like to go. I need to go back when you're dating or, or when you're kind of um, interesting facts about you. I mean, that's like super, super interesting because not uh, a lot of people could say that.
1: Better put it on my dating profiles. Do you multiple? Yeah, <laughs> the uh, many. I don't know. I just there. I think
0: it's very interesting. So you when you left the Netherlands, did you care that you were leaving? Were you like I'm bummed? Yes, I was
1: incredibly sad. I was really upset. You didn't was,
0: miss? Well, I guess I don't know. How, I guess you didn't miss the U.S. enough. Were you in the U.S.? I enough?
1: didn't miss it because I left when I was little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: I mean, really, the Netherlands was like your somebody else's U.S. I guess. I
1: might, my dad, we could have stayed, but he wanted my brother and I to be Americans. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we moved moved back. So, I don't know if that was a good choice or a bad choice at this And then he point. went to
0: Florida, right?
1: Yeah. His, uh, it's the opposite. Yeah. He didn't want to be cold anymore.
0: Okay, fair.
1: And he, and he moved his whole family home to Florida without a job. He's, he's a cool, crazy guy. Yeah, interesting yeah. dude. Yeah, um, he's an interesting fellow. And where in Florida? <laughs> West Palm Beach. Well, I, okay. I lived one year in Sarasota, and then we moved to West Palm Beach, Florida. West Palm Beach isn't bad. Yeah, it's like not the real South. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. A
0: pretty metropolitan.
1: It's pretty metropolitan. It's close to Miami. Yeah. It's like a lot of different ethnicities together. It's okay. like actually not that different from LA. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah my, my yeah. mom just moved down to, I don't know if she's near West Palm, but she's, I remember just talking, maybe we went to West Palm. I don't know, but it was, uh, that's not too bad. Yeah. And then, so you, how long where, were you? So I
1: went to high school and college in Florida, and I studied journalism and Spanish at the University of Florida.
0: And were you like, <laughs> eventually I'm gonna get out of Florida or were you like I'm Florida's my home? Oh,
1: I was ready. I graduated college in two and a half years because that's how much I wanted to leave Florida. Because all my friends, I went to a performing arts high school, so, like, almost all my friends moved to New York City, and I knew I wanted to live in a city. And one, like, uh, one semester, I visited a friend at NYU, and, like, my, like, world was shattered, and I was, like, so broken that I was going to the University of Florida. I was like, I gotta leave. Because it's, like, football and sports and beer. I didn't drink in undergrad. I don't give a shit about sports. Um, But I started doing improv at the University of Florida. (laughs) And that also shattered my world where I was like, I don't think I want to be Katie Couric. Because I started college thinking I wanted to be Katie Couric, and I left college deciding I wanted to write fiction instead of fact. So, okay. so because you, of improv.
0: <laughs> was Los Angeles your, like, that was, you had your sights
1: on that? New York or Los Angeles is where I wanted to go. And you picked Los as Angeles? As fast as possible. <laughs> and you picked Los Angeles? I got into the American Film Institute, okay. and so that made me decide to come here.
0: And that was 14 years ago yeah okay just getting the timeline yeah so you
1: come but i'm still 21
0: oh i yeah this is this is a forever 21 podcast did you know that yeah uh, (laughs) i'm always the oldest to make everyone feel i'm always the oldest try to be the oldest person on the podcast (laughs) just so everyone else is young um when you came to los angeles was it what you
1: oh my god for the first six months i hated it yeah it was so scary. I was twenty one when I moved here. And Speaking where, of twenty one.
0: Where did you live? <laughs> Still in, that
1: age. <laughs> where did
0: you first live in uh
1: I lived in I lived in uh Beachwood Canyon. I should have never left.
0: That's good. Uh, yeah, like I lived was... in
1: Beachwood Canyon for six hundred and fifty dollars a month.
0: Was it was it rent controlled or
1: <laughs> no? I had a roommate. We had two bedroom yeah. for okay. like t- for like whatever thirteen hundred dollars, which is amazing, which is crazy. I should never left. It was great. I lived like right in front of like Robert Downey Junior. and Sarah Jessica Parker's apartment that they uh, lived in when they were together. Yeah, um, I mean, I lived in a very small modest apartment, but still, Beachwood Canyons. Like, if you're not if you don't live in LA, or know about it. It's a great neighborhood. Oh yeah, you want yeah. to be there. You right. want to be there. And then um, I went to AFI, which was like right down the street. It was like yeah. two miles away. Yeah, yeah. It's right yeah. there
0: if you Franklin and like Western, right? Exactly. Up there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I always go when I I'm on the east side, and so when I go down to Hollywood, I'm always I literally pass it every single day.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful it's a beautiful campus. It is, yeah. I did a young
0: storytellers yeah. thing there. We did a video for young storytellers. Cool. Something. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah. It's the only time I ever went there, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah,
1: it's beautiful.
0: So uh when you come here, like what is your like plan?
1: Um <laughs> to be a famous screenwriter. It's still my plan. Yeah.
0: Uh, Still my plan. <laughs> what was your more immediate, like, did you have, like, a meet? like, okay, so you're you're at the Film Institute, are you just constantly making stuff, or, Yeah, like,
1: it really consumes your life for yeah. two years, like, you don't have any other friends, you don't have time to wash your underwear, it's yeah. a pretty intense program, but I, like, I miss it every day, it was, like, literally the time of my life, because you get budgets to make movies, so for two years of your life, you're just writing and making films, it's just the best.
0: Now, are you, like, do you have to, uh... Finance yourself or the
1: um so for your pro they they call it cycle projects. So you have to do three short films your first year and like each different cycle, a different um Discipline is in charge of the cycle. So there's like five disciplines there. There's screenwriting, directing, producing, cinematography, and production design. Um, The production designers never get to be in charge of a cycle. Neither do the DPs because some people, like, they they don't run the set, so they never get to be in charge. Um, Writers don't run the set either in film, but in television they sometimes do. Um, so like the writers got to be in charge of the first cycle. The directors, I think are in charge of the second cycle. Uh, No, the directors are in charge of the third and the producers are in charge of the second cycle. And for those three films, they're paid for like your tuition pays for it. Yeah.
0: But how do you, how do you survive?
1: Um, I, I went to University of Florida for free. Yeah, like okay. my parents, my lovely parents, my lovely crazy parents made me a deal that if I went to University of Florida, that they would help me pay for grad school. Got it. Although I still have loans that I'm paying off. Sure. So, um, but because I went, I like got, I like got paid to go to University of Florida, which is great. They wrote me a check like every semester, which is like the best ever. But yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. not a bad deal. Yeah. But you
0: did. I mean, you know, you honored, you had a deal and you honored it.
1: I did. I cashed in on that deal. I was like, I'm going to LA, baby. Uh.
0: <laughs> What was it, uh, was there any kind of culture shock working with, coming from Florida and like working with like people probably that were also transplants too, but like working in L.A.?
1: Yeah, I mean, I sometimes think about going back to AFI, like I don't think I will because it's very expensive and um, I have a lot of contacts in the business now, et cetera, et cetera, but like every now and then I wish I had been like a little bit older because I was very young and um, also like didn't know how to stand up for myself in the business yet and like still am learning how to do that because it's not easy as a woman it's not it's hard um and uh I I didn't have a single female teacher no women no female teachers I know that's changed a little bit AFI, I think they're getting a little better about that but like so I also didn't have like role models or that were like me when I was there so yeah it was not easy and it was the first couple months were like really lonely to be honest. Because I didn't, like, bond with my roommate, and it takes, like, time to, like, nurture those relationships, and it's also really competitive school.
0: That's what I can imagine, (laughs) because the goal is, it's, like... You wanted to be you and not the other person that like, totally, you know, gets that deal or whatever it is. Totally, that, yeah.
1: The good thing is, is like writers' natural personalities are like not competitive.
0: Right, it could be collaborative.
1: Totally, and also AFI like really supports collaboration. You're forced to crew in each other's projects. Like that's part of the deal. You have to like crew for each other and like realize a film set doesn't work unless you're all on the same team. Yeah, yeah. But it takes you a while to learn how to all play on the same team. <laughs> when everybody has a massive ego when you first start you're like i just got a day my uh, life's great
0: i never really got inv- <laughs> i mean i'm a late i'd say a late bloomer as if i bloom but uh i just call myself a late bloomer so i've kind of missed a lot of that <laughs> uh what you were but i think you were an early adopter of the the internet world
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I made a TV pilot that I put up on the internet. I also worked for a company called iFilm, which was, like, pre-YouTube, and uh, my job there was, like, to curate content before YouTube even existed, which was great. Like, my job was to, like, watch short films and also watch sexy films, because this was really interesting. They gave the job to me to watch the sexy borderline pornography content that helped keep their business alive. They gave it to me, who I was, like, a very young woman, like, maybe 24, like, just barely not a virgin, and they're like, hey, Lindsay, will you watch the Mr. Skin content and program that? Because any of us watching it, we look like slimy assholes at our desk watching it. And I was like, okay. So I I became in charge of the short films. What were you looking for um, when you were
0: watching, like, Mr. Skin or whatever. Like, what we- I
1: had to, like, write all the blurbs of, like, what the content was and, like, c- cut the clips down to, like, be internet size because Mr. Skin would send us, like, half-hour movies and now, stuff. Now, Mr.
0: Skin, for what remember, is that when they tell you where, <laughs> where the nudity is in a film? In a film? movie. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, So it was, like, pretty tame nudity. It was, like, Suicide Girls stuff. Stuff like that. Yeah. But it was, like, helping keep the website afloat. So that was my first job out of film school. Not much like has changed our too, with the
0: internet, right? That's Not pretty much, much what keeps it It keeps afloat. it alive, yeah. That's what keeps the ad revenue coming in or whatever the case totally, may
1: Totally, totally. But, yeah, that was, like, the very – I would say what was the very, very beginning of, like, internet content. But I, at that point in time, I was like, I just got to make movies.
0: So you <laughs> did you – were you kind of a, a – were you looking at the internet going, hey, wait a minute, there's a future here? Or were you like, this is a means to an end while I do I the thought the it was a means stuff. to an end
1: and I wish I didn't think that way. But I was still like a film school a snob. A lot of us
0: did, I think. Yeah. You know I mean, I, mean I, yeah. I consider myself like a relatively early, you know, but I mean, could have been earlier.
1: Totally. Me too. Yeah. I wish I had like known. but um, And then that company very quickly got bought out while I worked there. Because YouTube started to yeah. just kill it. So what was your next move from that? Um, I made two films. Like, luckily after that, I did get to make, like, two films and um, was able to, like, make a living for at least, like, a full year off, like... What were those films? Uh, one is called Spooner and one is called Douchebag. Yeah. And are they fe- features? <laughs> They're both features. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: And you're the, the writer?
1: I did. I I did write both those movies. Um, Douchebag is partially improvised, okay. so there's a lot of writing credits on that movie. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and what what comes of that?
1: Um, the, I mean, you know, I made them with my ex boyfriend, um, and I we Was we he an ex at the to, time or is no, he ex now? No, that we were together at the time. Okay. We made three films together, and then we very quickly had success and like his, you know, he was able to like take that success and like keep going. And then when we broke up, I felt like I had to like rebuild my career to be totally honest. Cause my career was 100% associated with his. Did so, he,
0: did he benefit from your invol Did he benefit <laughs> from the, your involvement in his career?
1: I would say yes. I yeah. hope he would say yes too. Yeah. Yeah. I think he would. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Are you guys cool? No. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: <laughs> Not really. Okay. He sends me an email a couple of times a year to see if I'm alive.
0: Oh, okay. That's, oh, that's, that's nice.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: and that's his name is Darren Aronofsky, right?
1: His name is Drake Doremus. Okay. I mean, I part of me is like very proud to see his, su- yeah. his success because I do feel like um, we built something together, and yeah. I feel like I helped. And um, he's very talented. And yeah. if I hadn't made my first few projects with him, I don't think that I would like. Be where I am now and like wanting to direct my own content, or know that I can produce a film like by myself. Like because I was so deeply involved in those projects it was also like very empowering to be like so young and be like in charge of the budget yourself and like all of that. Like I just learned so much. So
0: because you, I don't know if you still are with the deals, but you you were represented by William Morris.
1: Yeah, I still um I still am yeah. technically. Yeah, and that's a, I mean yeah. that's. <laughs>
0: whether it's like just a cachet or whatever your take is it is a thing
1: yeah it's sometimes very helpful yeah it's sometimes very very yeah. helpful i
0: had a, you know yeah uh, mutual friend rebecca lieb and i had a project there um yeah. that we wrote for somebody else there yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: you know it's another one of those thi- but it was uh, listen it's something that happened it yeah it's very cool something you know that you you mention it and other people might be like well that that's very impressive i was like i won't tell you what how what Happen from there, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Just saying, I you know, represented by William Morris, or I did a project there. Is um, people are like, oh, well, you must be somebody worth talking to. Then. <laughs> so what's your next? Yeah. What's your ne- next? Because you know you're you're kind of like you don't have this. Uh, it's not a thing where you're like, well, I, you know, this is it's a a path that's just very laid out for me. No, you're, it you're definitely s- You're is switching. Not. You know, kind of having to. Yeah. Kind of
1: well, I'm resolve. always writing a ton. Like always, always. Um. So, I, I'm on this OK Keep It movie right now, and I'm about, like, uh, I'm about to like, take the very intense treatment and make it a script, which is very exciting. And then um, I have a movie called Super Slut that I've been working on right. putting together for a while. And um, that film is about a woman who sells her virginity to get back at her ex-boyfriend. And it starts out as a losing-your-virginity comedy and then takes a hard right turn yeah. into a comment on sexual assault. Okay. And so with everything with Harvey Weinstein and yeah. just everything that's happened, we like had to take a pause and literally rewrite the script. Um, our script seemed like, really tame after everything that happened.
0: Is that, did <laughs> you have to rewrite it because of the climate or just because of... What's out there now, and your script compared to that?
1: I just feel like everything that's happened. Our script felt like an after-school special after everything that happened. Right. like it literally did. Like we're hearing like that Matt Lauer like locked women in his room with a button under his desk, yes. which sounds like literally un- like a horror film. Yeah, and I and we were like, oh shit! Like our movie now just like it, it it's not caught up to the reality of like how insane the world is. It's like, but at the
0: time you <laughs> were you were. You're breaking some ground with it.
1: We felt like it. Like yeah. we, like we wrote, we started writing it when Trump decided to run for president yeah. and like that in... And, like, the word war war on women was, like, being thrown around, and I just felt like we were just going so far backward in history that I, and I was feeling really upset and sad every day, and that actually, like, was the catalyst, right, the movie, and where the idea came from was just, like, the insane things Donald Trump was saying on the campaign trail, and I was, like, I have to react to this in my art. So that's how long we've been working on it, and we almost, like, put it completely together this year with like a couple production companies and then it didn't quite come together. And then I ultimately think it's for the better because I'm like really excited about the new script. There's, um, I have a colleague who's like a really big fan of the project. who's trying to help me put it together too. And he's like, I think you should look at this movie as, um, a a get out for like a commentary on female sexual assaults. And I love that analogy because, um, I mean, I'm a white woman, so I feel like that's being very generous, but (laughs) I feel like our issues are different than being, like, a complete minority in the world, and I can't even, like, commentate on that, but I just think that script is so good, and it takes, like, such a hard right turn that, like, I'm kind of trying to, like, learn from that script and make this a really wild ride so I'm like glad that it didn't come together and it's like gonna have a new life so
0: <laughs> and I'm you know I mean I you know I we've known each other for a while and you know kind of follow what you do and what you kind of like discuss online and stuff like that yeah. it seems like um you know as it, it's hard not to have you know uh, what kind of um kind of fuels you but it, it, it it's you know you have a very strong point of view which is just really, it's no different than your point of view from before, but now everything is being spoken about so freely yeah.
1: now. it feels amplified, yeah.
0: And anything about the way you're putting it out there? Are you like, I'm just still doing the same thing I was doing? Or does, like, your voice change at all because of how much is being put out there? It feels
1: exciting. Like, I will say, like, in the last six months has been the first time that I feel 100% excited to be a woman in Hollywood. Like, I would, like, wake up at, like, I used to, I had a couple years of being really bitter. Like, I'm not going to lie, like. My ex-boyfriend won Sundance the year after we broke up. And, like, when your career is associated with that person, to watch their star just, like, skyrocket, it's it's hard. Yeah, it's, like, it really hurts. hard. Yeah, yeah. It totally hurts. Um, so I had a couple of years of being, like, I wish I had a dick, basically. Yeah. Like, like, my life would be so much easier if I just had a penis. Um, but, like, the last, like, six months, like, people literally are, like, I want a female-driven comedy. I want a female-driven comedy. And I'm, like... I got 10. I've been working on them for 10 years. Like, let's go. And so... It's like you
0: invested in yourself knowing... Now you know that, like, (laughs) oh, this is going to, like, kind of pay off.
1: I mean, to be totally honest, I, I, like, totally blindly eventually thought it would pay off. But all of a sudden, it feels like it's going to pay off. Like, Uh (laughs) it took us a while to get here. But, like, it feels like we've arrived where people are, like, women are hungry for movies, like... I hate to say that we're like we separate content where we're like this is female driven. I hope like one day we're just like, this was a good movie. Yeah. I don't care who the lead was. Yeah, it's
0: just it's it, just a
1: good yeah. piece of content. It just so it's happened a great a female story.
0: directed it. it just totally, so happened. Yeah. totally.
1: But right now we're still saying like female driven and women are hungry for stuff at the box office where they see themselves reflected, which is unbelievably true. And like now, studios believe it
0: also you know yeah. there's a thing about branding and labels and yeah. category categories another thing i talk about in my stand-up and how i, I thrive in a label-based environment it's <laughs> like a whole separate thing
1: <laughs> um, i just feel
0: the need to like identify my brand identify my look and you know identify all these things uh but it seems like it's either it hurts or it helps if your brand or how you categorize yourself you know what i mean like totally female driven i mean i've uh, people talk it's like hey do you have anything for like 15 to 19 year old females you know what i mean like <laughs> it's very specific but that's how you need to sell something you be like oh it's just a good you know it's a good script yeah. with good people and that's like mm, we'd rather have the brand or the niche first totally and and you know that's listen, there's platforms there's audiences there's and there's advertisers that need to fill those things that make the money move and make things go forward, so they need those. Which I get that, right, you know. right. But it's like when, as you know, when uh, the when when the 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 content or the you know the thing comes like fifth, you're like, well, that, when people wonder why things suck, it's because you put the thing like fifth.
1: I know. <laughs> or it's or crazy less. town. Yeah, yeah. But I mean. I've, I've been fortunate to meet like really smart executives who I don't think like 100% think that way. But every now and then you meet an executive that literally is like, okay, my content mandate is this and I have to check the boxes. And if it doesn't fit this mandate, then it's like it's not for me. And I like don't lose my job when I say y- yes or no to something. So it's like, yeah, I hear you. Sometimes I think branding is like really helpful. and Yeah. It's a that.
0: word that just has just <laughs> kind of come Like why are we – we're saying the word branding now. What's my brand? We didn't yeah. always say it you no. know what I mean like I don't know There's a there's a time nobody said it now I everyone know. says it
1: I don't know when that started happening probably you know honestly I would say
0: reality <laughs> TV put that like a the Kardashians no it's not a slight against them they have a yeah. great thing they've made a great thing they're multi-millionaires um, yeah and they yeah. just
1: genius branders just
0: genius but the thing is, is that before <laughs> that or maybe like me like Paris Hilton or like at those you know kind of times like what's my it was always there like it's like the style, you know, the genre, you know. Yeah, yeah. But now branding is like it's past genre because it, it involves so many other things that don't really matter. Yeah. You know, but people make it matter.
1: Totally. Now, yeah. you're
0: you're heavily involved in the comedy scene.
1: I know, except podcasting has like eclipsed my involvement right now. Like it's my yeah. performance outlet, I feel like.
0: It's your yeah. – Yeah. Yeah. Now, Welcome to the Clambake.
1: Welcome to the clam bake is my – Feminist podcast right. that I do with my writing partner Angela Golner, um, and we do it once a week, and we've done it once a week since inauguration day of this year. And um, as you know, like doing a podcast is like a fair amount of work. So like I'm not doing a ton of other performing at the moment because between that, I still have a day job, and like trying to keep up with how much I'm writing, I'm like not doing a lot of performing. But I miss it like all the time. I miss performing all the time. Yeah. I would like to come back to it. So. Yeah. <laughs> well I mean you,
0: you know, I think by making sure that you on a on a regular basis you're putting something out there keeps you in that
1: It does, it yeah. Keeps
0: you Yeah You know, like you're you're still you're still always warm.
1: Totally. And like the really nice thing is like every time we put out a podcast, like at least three hundred people are listening to it. And there's not three hundred people at your improv show. No. Oh and here's the <laughs> thing is I'll
0: tell you three hundred people listening to whatever, an hour, let's just let's say 300 people listen to an hour long podcast. Yeah. I'd rather that than 5,000 people watch a one minute video. Do you know <laughs> really? what I mean? Because, well, the involved, I'll give you my gist on podcast. Okay. Have you ever um, wanted to achieve something or succeed at something? Uh, you want this, but you've never felt like it happened to you. Like, just say you want to set. Sell- like your dad's a salesman. Yeah. Now, your dad's a really good salesman. I'm I'm guessing he knows what it's like to want to be like knows what it's like to be sold something like sure he's like oh wait I bought I bought this this they, this person sold this to me and I wanted it I need to know what it feels like for that feeling in order for me to sell something and I feel like pot you know I've been very you know you know my th- I've been very involved in putting out so much yeah. I have not been a fan. In comparison, I haven't been a fan or sold on as many things in comparison to how much I've put out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Podcasting—I don't listen. You know, this is my second. You know, I'm on my second podcast. I don't. I haven't listened to many podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I've done a lot of improv, and and I'm comfortable talking to people. And uh, but I've from podcasting, I've learned what it's like to become a fan. I'm not talking about music, but I'm not. I play music, but I'm not, a you know what I mean? I'm not putting out music. Mm -hmm. So I've been a fan of music and I, you know, I'm a fan of like TV shows, but they're, I'm not being sold. I'm not trying to make a, you know what I mean? Like a TV show, you know what I mean? In in a sense. Um, But I know what it's like to be a fan of things through a podcast. Like uh, I listen to very few podcasts, but um, uh, Stuff You Should Know is one that I really like. And basically it's just like whether it's history or information that I could get. From a myriad of sources—podcasts, books, Wikipedia, TV shows—but for some reason, I want this information delivered through like <laughs> the vessel of these two people.
1: Okay, I gotta listen and, to that one more. And, and I've it, heard it, but, but
0: it's a thing where it's just like for some reason I've and I've ingested because you know you're walking, you're driving, you're you're uh, commuting so much in Los Angeles, you, you're without knowing it, you're just consuming so much from the same people where you stop caring about what they're talking about. You just want to hear them talking about it. Mm-hmm. And that's how <laughs> I learned to be that. And I was just like, cause I stopped my po- podcast for a year until I learned what it was like to be a fan of something. And I was like, Oh, I really like this, but now I'm coming from a thing where I'm appreciate, you know, it's like if I was a, ba- I, if I was a basketball coach, but never played basketball. And then I played basketball. You know what I mean? I don't know how how that works. (laughs) But it's like, you probably become a better coach maybe if you've played basketball. Totally. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, Because you could, like, from a scientific point of view, an academic point of view, yes, I understand how the game works. I understand the strategy. Here, I'm going to tell you what to do. But to hold the ball and to feel your heartbeat and to throw it in there and have the pressure of the crowd and the pressure of another team and the pressure of yourself could make you a better coach. Yeah, in that sense, I think it's made me really – it got me back into podcasting. Obviously, Mark Maron's podcast, which I – it was somebody that I was like, oh, I don't want to hear from this dude. He's supposed to be like an angry, mean dude. I've seen him <laughs> at some movie screenings. A little through UCB, I was like, I'm not listening to his podcast until I was like Bruce Springsteen, and I was commuting at my job. And I was like, I love Bruce Springsteen. I was like, I got to listen to this. Yeah. From there, I was like, listen to that, and then I was like – you know, he has banter in the beginning or banter. He's you know, like, it's pretty much his diary or whatever he wants to talk about. I started only going right to the content. I was like, let me listen to the dude. Cause I was like, yeah, this guy, okay, this guy's pretty good. Then I came for one thing and stayed for another. Yeah. And that's what I learned about being a fan. And I was like, now I, my point of view when I do this is just, it's opened a lot of things for me. So I feel like an hour of welcome to the clam bake and you have 300 people listening for an hour they're going to be so much more invested than watching like a one or two minute video. That That's
1: true. They, they like, they, people send us a lot of messages on Instagram, which is very nice. And, um, people really feel like they know you if they're listening to your podcast. Yeah. Because. And they know you. <laughs> they do. Yeah. They're not
0: seeing your face. They, they know what you look like. Maybe, yeah. Whatever. But they're not, they're not hearing you with your face there. Right. And I think hearing There's something. There's something almost
1: more intimate about is, that. It's, listen you,
0: we we're wearing headphones right now as we're doing this, yeah, we listen, sometimes listen to podcasts with earbuds. The information is going right into our brains, yeah there's no there's no filter, there's nothing kind of filtering it out, and I think from there you're just consuming so much that you just are like i'm a fan listen I went to mark, I bought Mark Byron's book, I went to his book signing um you know i've you know watched his TV show all from that, and before I didn't know, I didn't listen to him. Uh, or he did an interview, but I was like, "Oh, he does interviews. I do them too. He probably does it better than me, so what <laughs> A lot of people do interview stuff, but it really, really changed it changed things for me in the sense of like to know what it's like to become a fan of something that you're doing
1: yeah and yeah. Uh, so
0: welcome to uh, i mean, uh, uh, welcome to the clambake so what what does the the title mean i have heard the clam <laughs> is there operation clambake I is don't that a know. thing I felt like there was a thing online there was what is, so what does it mean
1: well, our tagline is. It's the opposite of a sausage fest. Got so, it. Okay, so yeah. there's a got it, got it, got yeah. it, got it. Yeah, and, we, you know, clam is a euphemism for lady anatomy, mm-hmm. although we like to say, like, we like to use clams as, like, a non-binary term because we know if you identify as a woman, um, that means a lot of things for a lot of people. Sure. Um, so we, we like to hopefully be inclusionary and not focus on anatomy, but we did just really like the joke of it. And like the idea that like, we're having a party, like for you, like if you need a space to, to feel safe, to like listen and express your opinion, hopefully welcome to the clan bake is that for you.
0: And do you, so, so each episode you pick us?
1: well, we have a guest every episode, so okay. we are like an interview based podcast, although we are. Launching a new segment with Aunt Barb. We're about to launch okay. a segment with Aunt Barb. She came on on our anxiety episode and talked about how to deal with anxiety. And it was a really popular episode. Aunt Barb is Angela's actual aunt. And she's from Minnesota. And she's got a Minnesota accent. She's just great. And so we're going to do this little advice segment as well And now, it's because be fun. you pick that.
0: Like, I'm just, you know, for anyone listening that's like, I also do a podcast or I, I want to make stuff – did you found that to be successful? Yeah, people metrically. were a
1: big fan of that episode. Yeah. So you're and, like, let um, me
0: like, you're like, well, what people like it? Why don't we give them more of something we know that they like?
1: Totally, totally. You know? And also, like, we've we've almost been doing it a year. Like, we're coming up on a year of doing it, and I think we also just wanted to like mix up a few things and like add some new segments. And we've also started reviewing products that are geared towards women, like crazy products. So we sometimes do like live on air reviews of products and. Um, we're going to review some Kegels live on air, some, like, products to help you do Kegel exercises. I'm real nervous about it. Um, and, like, yeah, uh, lately I've been calling us the Barbara Walters of podcasts because people also come on and cry a lot, yeah. which is cool. I, like, love that people feel that safe with us and um, ready to, like, express what they're feeling. So it's been very rewarding. So it's, <laughs> it's
0: the the... Each episode kind of will be based on the guest, and then kind of go out from there, you know, kind of go out from there.
1: and sometimes we get pretty political, like, it's just been, it's felt like a really nice, safe space to react and try and process, like, just the insane year that has been 2017, so... (laughs) Do you, <laughs> and it, it doesn't it, seem like things are getting any more sane, so we're no, gonna keep doing it. No,
0: yeah, no, it's like you <laughs> double down on it, yeah, triple down on it, yeah, uh, rather than back off of it. No,
1: yeah, we've not backed off on it's kind of a insanity. way the
0: way that dating uh, relationships it, it, it's never really gonna be solved. You're always gonna have something to say, totally, which is a, not a bet. I mean, listen, we wish. We wish everything was gonna be sane and is gonna be all right, uh, but I mean, it's just not. It's not. It's not gonna happen. But we hope you could move in that direction. Yeah. And you could be part of that movement and do our part and do your part. Um, totally. Do you ever <laughs> consider having like contrary yes. points of view?
1: Yes. Yes, we've been really trying to do that, but it's like the people. We sometimes get, like, overwhelmed with people asking to to be on the podcast, which is, like, so nice. We're, like, never lacking guests. Um, So we, like, try to accommodate, like, anybody that, like, really wants to come on. So um, it's been hard to, like, make the time to have people who have opposite opinions of us. But we're, like, dying to do that. Um, And we're actually about to have two men on to talk about um, the Harvey stuff and all the sexual misconduct stories that just keep coming like my cousin uh I'm one of 10 cousins there's 10 of us which is a big family my mom's side of the family is quite large and I'm the only girl of 10 cousins um which is an interesting way to grow up I've been surrounded by men like most of my life besides my mom and um Uh, One of my cousins called me, and he was just like, how are you doing? And I want to make sure that you don't hate men. And you say really funny stuff, but, like, I don't know if you're being sarcastic or if, like, you're hurting over this. And I just, like, want to know how you're doing. And we started talking about everything, and I said, I want to know how you're doing because you're a male ally who I trust and, like, know is a quality man. Like, what does it feel like to be a man every day hearing – these insane things that men are doing. And he was like, oh, my God, can I please come on your podcast? So my cousin is calling in and Robert Clark Chan is going to be on talking okay, yeah, about how yeah. he's been posting men are scum. And I'm, like, so excited about the episode because yeah. we, ha- we haven't had some men on in a while, so I'm excited. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll pick
0: just Facebook as, like, kind of like the – uh, kind of the landscape of this because uh, it's just a place that people know and understand and you see things.
1: And consume news now.
0: Consume news, yeah. consume opinions or at least get, you know, wind of how people are from men. I don't put my opinion on there. Not that I don't have an opinion, not that I wouldn't share an opinion, but, you know, I'm not there to, you know, kind of uh, detract from anything, distract or kind of uh, whatever. I'm just, you know, I'm, my personal life is just personal or whatever. Um, but I I see some things on there from men, and I eye-roll I sometimes on some of the stuff because in general, like, I talk about Facebook a lot or it's on my mind where people are just like, I I need to, th- there's something going on and it needs to be about me a little bit, <laughs> so I need to make this thing about me no matter what uh, under the guise of whatever. Like, what, is there, like, a pattern or something you see a lot of coming from guys online that you find, you know, that you just find kind of, like, not helpful?
1: Um,
0: Aside from people that are just, like, you know, whatever. I don't believe, you know, they're completely contrary, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I do think, like, men, like, really some men who might not necessarily be allies or think that they're trying to be an ally they some men just get like a lot of pleasure in starting fights in ladies comment sections on their facebook page when they are just being kind
0: of like just being like well well what if or you know and,
1: and you speak
0: of those things and it's like Every everything has a, a thing of like yes. In any situation, there might be something that might not be a hundred percent like that, but that's the way the w- whole world is. Right. You right. know what I mean? The best things in the world. There's there's a little something that could be a little bit better, but kind of going out of your way to be I don't know just to just to kind of add something that's <laughs> yeah. like how is what does this have to do with anything or totally so so because. Also I don't know how your Facebook is but you know you we, I think we kind of trim and curate things to where like we are in a bit of a, a bubble sometimes of totally. people we know or people that somewhat share an opinion but things kind of leak in and out and I'm like yeah. you're like wow that's a really disappointing point of view yeah. coming from you like I was like I I but maybe that's everything's weeding itself out I don't know but do you in your bubble do you find things that come in from guys that you're like Yeah, I
1: think another thing too is like sometimes it feels like it feels like it's been hard to have some wins as like a woman in America this year. It's like we've been like. You know, there's multiple states that are completely trying to take away ladies' rights to an abortion, and some states have been, like, very successful this year, and that is, like, unbelievably frightening. I just think, like, being a liberal woman and just being a woman, period, like, having the right to choose of what to do with your body in many ways can decide the rest of your life, and if you don't have that choice, like, how are you even an autonomous being? It's, like, not fair for government to try and say what you can do, period. But, like... Yeah, it, it's felt it's felt like hard to have a win and it's felt very easy to get very depressed too of feeling like, you know, also if you were like a Hillary fan and like just watching her still get attacked over and over again and like what is – that's not moving forward. That's continuing to move backward and distracting from like what we're dealing with like right now. And so like I just posted the other day like um, I love Time Magazine because Time chose to make their cover – story about the Me Too movement sure. and I think that was a bold I think it was like a bold choice for them yeah. and I think it's an amazing choice and like thank god like this is still a conversation that they've Think is that they're validating that should continue, and it doesn't end.
0: Yeah, like it's not like 2017. It's like, well, now we're gonna move on to the next (laughs) subject. We we
1: weeded everybody out who's taken out their day.
0: It's really, it's really (laughs) page one of a very long
1: book of a very long conversation. And so, like the first comment that I got was like, yeah, but Time Magazine like isn't really liberal, and don't you know that the Koch brothers like are partially now investors and this and that from from a man, of course. And it's like just give me this, just today. Just, like, let me have it. Well,
0: it's like, I always, there's, like, a funny, uh, like, I think it's an onion where it's, like, Guy uh, guy brings up how John Lennon, like, how the beat like, when somebody talks about the Beatles, like, oh, yeah, but do you know John Lennon was, like, abusive? You know what I mean? Like, kind yeah. of, like, okay, but can I just, maybe I want to talk about, that I like the Beatles. Yeah. You know, it's like, why there's, but you could do that for everything.
1: Totally. You can shit on anything good. Yeah. You there's the going to be a bad you, angle. The best thing. And it's like, <laughs> yeah,
0: just let, you know what I mean? Like let, but it's not like, it's just like, it's a thing where you have to be like, please let me have this yeah. person holding on to what? Like, yeah. What do you, and it's like, what is, dude, what do you care
1: I know. <laughs> is this hurting
0: you? Like, what's it, like, how does it negatively affect you? Like, but I think it's a thing is like. But it's like,
1: is the subtext, is is his subtext, I'm curious to know. And like asking yeah. you as a man I also consider an ally, is the subtext of that guy annoyed that that is what the cover story is? Like, that's where my head goes. I'm like, is he actually subtextually angry that they chose to make the cover Me Too story? Like, maybe he is. I don't know. I,
0: well, you know, because really <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah, it's it's because, you know, uh, it's you know it's talking generally speaking about men and the way men have behaved and uh in different ways and i think if i to be real as a guy i've had to i talk very little about this i don't talk about it a lot on the podcast but i feel like you know now's the right time to do well no it's always the right time but it's natural for me to discuss you know you think back like uh it's just like if i was going to join uh want to join the fbi right mm-hmm. and i'm like uh oh, Oh, well, let me think back of my past. Like have I ever have I ever done anything that they're going to find that they're going to be like, "Oh, you can't join because you did this," right? <laughs> right? So I think a lot of guys are sitting back and going, "How have I behaved?" Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? And listen, my behavior has not always been uh, you know, it, I've I haven't always been like a hero. Now, I've I you know what I mean? It's I maybe mean, I've been aloof. I've been a little bit cold. I've been maybe a little bit rude, or I've just been a little distant. You know what I mean? But and I haven't always been like a great. And I've made made amends with a lot of people. Um, you know, my conscience is pretty clear that nothing is gonna. You know, like in the way this is, but also I haven't always been like I can't stand there on a pedestal and be like, "How dare you treat a woman less than a hundred percent?" You know. But it's just. I haven't always treated I haven't always treated people well. Whether it's me doing something or not, it's a lot of me not doing something. Right. It's right. me being very distant or very uh, very withdrawn or kind of not been uh, realistic about my feelings or emotions or my like my intent um, uh, and not being this like let me be manipulative. But me realizing oh it's like I think I'm putting out that like this is my intent when really I don't know what my thing is. You know, and it's hurtful because I'm a coward. You know, it's very easy for me to just be uh, to be like, well, I, listen, I, I, I didn't say that we were boyfriend and girl. B- b- simple. I didn't say that we were in a relationship in my defense. You know, your honor. Yes. Technically, like I never <laughs> said that, but I could have been a little more honest. I could have been uh, I could have been, a, you know, a little less charming. <laughs> yeah, right, no, it's, it's, I, I could. I just could have been. I, but I've been too much of a coward to give the person the respect Right. They deserve even though yet yeah, did technically do anything wrong. We're talking about relationships, I mean you you know. Yeah. There is no rules. There's no like, oh well sure. you checked off all the right boxes, so technically you're not wrong. No, I know that I've been wrong. So I think about those things or I think about videos I've made online. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That's a lot what I think about. And I always like think the joke's on me, but you know what I mean? Some of the stuff is 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 sexual and it's it's at least bringing to the surface like, yes, on the surface this is objectifying in sexuality, even if it's under the guise of a joke. And I think about those things, Yeah, you know, so I can't go online and be like, and be a hero where a lot of, I think a lot of guys get on there and they make a huge grandstand and I'm like, mm, homie, listen, <laughs> I know you haven't always been, yeah. you know, and I'm not one to talk and I'm not one to uh, like judge another well, I, I can judge, obviously, um, <laughs> on bigger scale things, but I, I, it's not for me to get on there and make it about me. Right. And right. take away from that. Right. Where it's like, oh, yeah, that, it's like, here's how I helped you, whatever. So that's kind of the things that I think about. And I think maybe, to, long story to answer uh, your question, I think guys are always thinking about that. Sure. They're thinking about, like, what, it, what did I do? How have I treated people? Yeah. What skeletons do I have in my closet?
1: Right, right.
0: Um, that's, that's kind of my take.
1: Yeah. 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 I also think this is going to like change courtship. I just think it's like uh, men are on edge and totally questioning their behavior. And the one thing that I just like want to say is like, I think the right and also this, I think this is twofold because we're talking about most of this is misconduct in the workplace. Right. So that in a way that is like trying to take power away from women so that they do not rise to the level of success of you, right? It's been about power for most of these men because they're really powerful people in they're very successful in their field. A lot of these guys that has come out, Louis C.K. and Charlie Rose and Matt Lauer and Harvey Weinstein, you know, and the president. Just going to put that one in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the president of the United States. Um, but I just want to say, like, the rise of success of women, and this is a really hard lesson to learn as feminists too, right? Because we still live in a patriarchal society and... Um, the rise of success of your friend is not your failure. Yeah. It's just not. And like, I hope men can like realize that too. Like, the rise of the voice of the woman is not going to mean your failure. It's not. It's just going to mean a better life for everybody. Like, it's, it will. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. Well, I think that's a big,
0: <laughs> that's always, you know, people are insecure and they're insecure, you know, because they think, you know, I don't know. Whatever you know how, and I think it. You, you think as time goes on, it's like those things about like, oh, men should be stronger than women. Make, you think that would lessen? And you know, listen. I grew. Up, I was. A, you know, I grew up in in the eighties, where it was like, and like, you know, it was a where I. I but I was always like, I don't know why anyone cares about any of this stuff. I, but I was also never like a super like macho dude. You know what I mean? I was always mm-hmm. kind of. Insecure in my way, insecure in my way, and just things that bother that seem to bother people like never bothered me. I also wasn't raised like that, but generations before me and my family might have been more like that. And you think, wow, now we're in 2017, almost 18, um, you know, uh, or I think we'll probably be in 2018 when people are hearing this, we're fresh in 2018. Yeah, I thought we'd be a lot further. Yeah, and and there's just some people. It's like you've gone back before you know what I mean you've gone back you know you think about sometimes the way you're like maybe you're at least mine like you know parents or grandparents it's not really terrible but it's enough for you to be like oh yeah that was the word oriental is not a great word you know what I mean mm-hmm. like but it's like you're back before that and it's 2017 like there wasn't really an excuse then but at least you could say like well people were ignorant lacked the yeah. education and information and now it's like you have all of it you have it all. There's no excuse. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there should be zero to- – I mean, I think there should be zero tolerance unless, you know, some people are just so – need more education or they need more outreach. I don't know what it takes, but welcome to the bake because uh, people <laughs> should be checking that out in case – because, listen, this is not – this should not be the this, – this episode should just be uh, – an advertisement to go listen to your podcast. Aww, thanks, Jason. No, I, I'm serious. I'm not. It's not for me to to say. You know what I mean? It's yeah. but they should be going to yours and 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 then from there continuing like and hearing different points of view from different women, from different people, from different uh, you know different backgrounds, different points of view, different lifestyles. Um, don't stop listening to friends without benefits, though. I'm not saying <laughs> don't do that.
1: No, listen to all the friends. You could
0: do it all. Basically, (laughs) mine, then go to yours, and then from there, we don't care what you do. Um, But thanks so much for uh, thanks
1: for Yeah, thanks for asking me.
0: No, I was always kind of curious of your story, and I I kind (laughs) of follow what you – I mean, I do. I follow kind of what you do and what you have to say, and I was curious to have a conversation about it in an organized fashion. You know what I mean? I wanted to have an organized informational thing that hopefully other people – could have a little bit of a takeaway from
1: yeah thanks for letting me talk about myself for an hour yeah great yeah (laughs) that's 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 what i'm here for yeah all right all right till next time all right bye. bye